I don't know how to describe it other than like like a demon type of sound. But it's silhouetted, hulking, every bit of five and a half feet wide, 13 to 14 foot tall, pitch black. The one thing that ran through my mind when I had this encounter was I don't have a big enough gun. Your host, two-time witness and field researcher for more than 40 years, William Jevning. Welcome to Creek Devil. Hello everyone, welcome to another edition of Creek Devil. We have a very special guest with us today, Dave. Uh, Tom, I, you know, you and Dave talked recently and I, I think it would be interesting for you to talk with Dave. You know, Dave and I have interviewed before, but um, so I'm going to have you take it away. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, Dave, you and I spoke and I'm not going to give a location away, but uh, you're somewhere in South Florida. Florida is a, a big state, so uh, somewhere down there. And... It was just a real pleasure talking to you. You had some great, <laughs> you just had some great stories and a, and a good experience. But um, if we could, let's start off with your, just fill us in, give us the details on, I believe you were a teenager and you're out, uh, I'll let you phrase it how you like, but I think you're out looking for gators at night and you encountered something. Yeah, well, I was uh, 16 years old, and there was three of us out, and we were, you know, back then, that's something we did in South Florida was catch gators and, you know, eat them, and, and it, was, it was more just something to do, really, but, you know, it was, we stayed in the woods either deer hunting or hog hunting or gator hunting, but you, you hunt gators at night. And, uh, so we, we happened to be hunting, um, down south of the, the southeast part of the Everglades, which is not part of the park or anything, even now to this day, it's not, but, um, and we, we had just pulled up to a canal, was searching it and, uh, no luck there. And we had turned around, it was probably about two thirty in the morning, I would guess. And, uh, we turned around to pull out with the truck and, and we have Australian pines down here that they planted many years ago to stop the winds of hurricanes. Supposedly they've cut them all down now cause they figured out it don't work, <laughs> but the things get, you know, like 50, 60 feet tall. But on this road, there happened to be a big strand of them and they're stretched apart and, uh, as I was driving, I noticed some eyes that were, were the eye shine was red, which the only thing we have down here that will shine back red, even in headlights, is a whippoorwill. And we have tons of them. And they're usually sitting in the middle of the road. But uh, so I, first I thought, oh, it's, it's whippoorwills in the tree. But as I got closer, it, it I saw a silhouette of uh of a what I could only explain looked like a child that's at a park how they will hang by one hand with their feet at the bottom of a pole and swing around only this was just hanging like that and was very big but it was in the very edge of the headlights so all I saw was eye shine and it looked like a blur going across the road and our roads down there are 
they're made out of shell and they're bright, bright white and they glow like you can drive without your headlights at night if you wanted to. And on the right-hand side of the road was a small canal that they used to build these roads. And the road was access to a floodgate, you know, and that's why it's there out in the middle of nowhere. They, they have these floodgates and these canals and they, they have to access them to open and close them. And, um, but anyways, so when we pulled up there, I, I couldn't quite make out what it was and it kind of freaked me out. So I pulled up and we got out and our spotlight was dead by this time, but we were using a small flashlight that we had, you know, that wasn't very bright looking to see if we could see any tracks or anything. And there was nothing really noticeable on the road. And it's a powdery road, so you would see something on the sides if something has walked across it or made, you know, step there. You would be able to see it in the powdery part. So as we're walking, the three of us, there is noise in what these trees are called Brazilian peppers down here. They don't grow very tall, but they're 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 an invasive species that that just is bushy, but straggly tall branches that grow out of the ground and it you know inside them it's usually hollow and animals use them as trailways you know as we're walking i heard something walking beside us in those brazilian peppers moving with us as we were as we were going and my buddies you know were moseying along right beside me you know and i had stopped and uh they had kept on walking and I heard it make a noise and then stop. And I I actually had a shotgun with me that we were using for, for hunting. That uh, I had a buckshot, slug, buckshot, slug, buckshot, you know, loaded in there. And as I stopped, I could make out what, like I told you the other day, it, it looked like a pumpkin on top of a, a bale of hay kind of if you had a shadow and you stuck that in the trees that's how big this thing was but it was crouched down and it was just ba basically a shadow that you could see you know it didn't belong you could see you know you have your moonlight and everything and, and you could see through the trees a little bit but not great and but you, you still could see. So as, as I was looking at this thing, I started walking towards the edge of the canal. I was probably six foot from it when I saw this and they're still walking my buddies, right? They're paying no attention to me and uh, they're looking for tracks. And, um, so I start stomping my foot moving towards uh, the canal, trying to see if I could get this thing to move or do something. And I got to the edge of the canal, so I probably stomped my foot six or seven times moving up to the edge. And I seen this thing start to move up, you know, the shadows coming up. And all of a sudden it let out this roar that, and I've, like, I, I haven't told you, but I was in Alaska. I was all over, I've been all over the world, you know, at, before I was even back here, I already been in all over the world so uh hold on for a second somebody's trying to call me <laughs> but um 
So I know what a bear sounds are. And in this part of the glades, we don't have bears there at the time. I don't believe there's any there now. But um, at first, my first thought was, oh, a bear had straggled into this area when it let out this roar that started out as a low guttural roar that a lion would make, you know, like a sound that's just unbelievable to a high-pitched scream all in one big long shout but it's like it's like that cartoon where you see the lion roar at somebody and that blows their hair back and everything that's what it felt like and you know me having a gun in my hand at the time you know i wasn't having none of that so i shot two times right at it and when i did this it didn't scream or yell it looked like, and the best way I can explain it is there was two elephants inside the, the, the Brazilian peppers just going at it, tearing everything, was just exploding. And I thought I seen part of it again. You know, going, when I say shaking, I, and I, it would be hard to explain, but the trees were shaking so bad from the bottoms to the tops. It's like something was just grabbing everything and trying to get out of there or something you know i don't know exactly what it was trying to do but i shot three more times and everything stopped and at that moment is when i uh decided that it was time to get out of there and uh turned around to holler at my buddies you know let's get in the truck and go they was already in the truck driving to me so we got in the truck and left and never went back there again and never really talked about it or anything and Unfortunately, them two guys are dead now. This is in, you know, 1982. Um, so, but that's what happened that time. Did your buddies have any, um, did you guys discuss it or did they have any idea? They said, hey, you know, what are you shooting at? We, we didn't know what it was. We, we, when I was a kid in the Glades, there was a, a, a old guy that we called Shaky Dave that he was a big drinker and he always shook <laughs> and he had a story one time <laughs> he had a story one time about him camping out at a, a place we had a camp south of the loop road and it's seven miles into the everglades now that's all national park they took our camps back in the late 80s i guess it was mid 80s i don't even remember what it was but they burned all the camps that were out there even though we had deeds in the eminent domain the park took it over blah 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 but um he had a story that he would tell us when we were little i'm talking 10 years old you know and uh he he would tell us about how he was camping and a skunk ape came into his camp and tried to take his food and and do all sorts of crazy things. You know, I don't remember exactly what it did, except for that he tried to get into his airboat and and start his airboat, and supposedly it broke his prop, grabbed his prop and broke it, which is a wooden airplane propeller, you know? And uh, so he would always tell us that story about the old skunk ape, but we, we never had any run-ins, and I hunted with dogs for, for cats you know, all over that place. And we had deer dogs. We had, you know, we were always in the swamps. I raccoon hunted for years with a, a, a ex-Marine that was, 
Georgia state champion back then. And, uh, we would hunt all the time at night and nobody ever really said anything about that. You know, I, I had seen, uh, a book on Bigfoot when I was little, you know, uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it had Bigfoot and Loch Ness monster and all that. And it, that's about all I knew. I didn't know anything, you know, about that. And I didn't, I had never heard anything like that to this day, what that thing screamed and roared. And, uh, you don't know if you killed it, right? Or if you just no. sent it packing. I, well, everything shut down after them last three rounds went in. So I don't know, you know, would I think that I did possibly, but you know, I, I didn't stick around. We never went back there ever again. I, uh, I went down that road one time with one of my buddies on three wheelers and, uh, we made it about, you know, a hundred yards. The road's probably, uh, I don't know, a mile long. We made it about 200 yards. He was in front of me and I seen him do a quick 180 and come flying by me wide open, you know, and I thought, oh, hell, the game wardens, you know, so I did the same thing and hauled ass behind him. And I finally caught up to him out on the main dirt road, you know, and I was like, what in the heck is going on? You know, he just stopped. He was all white. He's like, it felt like some lady with long fingernails just drug her nails across the back of my neck. I said, okay, that's the end of that. I ain't ever going down that road again. So, and shit, we was probably 18 at that time. So it was, uh, you know, it was just one of those things that we never really talked about it. It was never, it didn't mean anything to, to me until, you know, later in life. Now I, I, I could assume that's what it was, but, you know, back then I had no clue. <laughs> but whoever your buddy was, he was, he was having none of it, right? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, and this, this kid, if he... I don't know if he's alive or dead now. I haven't, you know, talked to him in 30 years. So, but, um, yeah, if he heard this, he would know, he would know exactly who it was. And, and that exact moment, because yeah, he wasn't having none of that. And, and we hunted a lot together and, you know, we just never had any problems, but that time it freaked him out. And in turn, it freaked me out. Cause I'm, I'm thinking it's the law and he's, you know, got voodoo hoodoo stuff happening. So I was, uh, yeah, I was not too happy about it, but, um, right. Right. Yeah. I understand. I would have got out of there too. Um, have you ever talked to anybody else in the area that may have, um, seen the creatures or have, you know, have any stories or encounters uh, on the, on the swamp I have never, I never talked to anybody in Florida about it or in Georgia or Alabama or anywhere else. Um, until probably when I first got into, to listening to people talking about Bigfoot and stuff way back in 2008, maybe. And, uh, I would say it's probably 2014, 2015, maybe, uh, maybe a little bit before then, but we hog hunt with dogs down here at night. And, you know, you'll have three or four dogs and, and you go out at night and you don't use lights. You don't need them. You know, we, we only use the lights when we're shining to see what the hog looks like that the dogs have bait. That's the one time we turn on lights. 
two of my buddies, or they're actually my son's buddies, had something. We have salt flats down here that are where the mangroves meet the the fresh water and, and salt water meet, and we get these mixed forests, I would call it. Like part of them will be, you know, junk trees, Brazilian peppers and stuff, and then you have mangroves and you have some pines in there and maybe a few little oaks here and there. And just really weird, but the hogs love these areas. And they they were... I guess they were 19 years old and they were hunting and um, something screamed at them similar. What I did was I played the Sierra sounds separately. One of them was up in Georgia working and the other one was here. And I called when the one boy told me about it, I played the Sierra sounds and uh, the, the one where the Ohio big, you know, I was playing them different sounds and I forget which one it was that he hit on, but he's like, that's it. And then when I called the other, both of them's name's Cody, by the way. <laughs> I called the other Cody, and I played the same stuff. He goes, that's it. But what had happened was some some guys will carry a little pistol in their back pocket. Not not many, but these these boys did. And And their dogs came running out of the mangrove section and took off towards the truck and they couldn't understand why. And all of a sudden something came through the mangroves crashing through the mangroves, which it's impossible to walk in mangroves. Like it's, it, it, you, you have to bounce from root to root to root to root. If you're going to try to walk through them, and it's a very slow process. Something came at them full bore and stopped and was screaming at them which these boys are big, tough boys. You know, they've been doing this stuff since they're little kids. And, uh, so it freaked them out because they know what a bear sounds like. They know what a panther sounds like, you know? So they started to run and, and this thing was beside them in the mangroves. And now when I tell you these, both these boys are probably six, two and, and six, one and are fast, <laughs> whatever it was, stayed up with them in the mangroves but stayed far enough to the side almost all the way back to the to the truck which i'm not sure how many you know if it was a quarter mile you know what it was but a good ways according to them and uh they got in the truck and the dogs was already in the truck <laughs> so you know that's something that's happened down here that uh, I know of now, but um, not there's not a lot of people down here that talk about it. Uh, it's it's something that usually a tourist sees them somewhere, you know, and you'll see a a little report on it, you know. So somebody saw a skunk ape, you know. It's very rare to get locals to talk about them. They do once in a while, but it's it's not something that people go around talking about. But I've hunted all of South Florida, Central Florida, North Florida, and that's basically the only experience I've had in Florida with that. Yeah, you know, I'm just a real quick comment. We had a another gentleman on. I think you know who he is. He's from South Florida. His name is also Dave, and he's encountered these things uh, down there as well. Um. And so, Dave, you had mentioned, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, 
I, I think you had an encounter in Georgia as well. Can you tell us a yeah, little bit I, about um, that one? I was I was hunting a set of railroad tracks, deer hunting. It was real early in the morning. You know, I was going, I was actually going to sit on a, a railroad trestle that bottlenecked where the deer would come right down the side of the, and go underneath this railroad trestle. And I was going to sit down there and it, it, you know, it's probably a mile into the woods where this place was. And it was foggy. It was, it was real early in the morning. And I was walking on the side. The railroad tracks are built up. They're tall. You know, it's kind of like a levee with tracks on top of it. And I was walking on the side of the tracks down low. And then you have woods instantly on both sides after this train tracks just cut through woods, you know. And and Georgia's full of the, these kind of areas. And um, I seen something. And Georgia, Florida has bears. Georgia, unless you get into North Georgia, there's not bear. There's no bears. And uh, and I wasn't. In, I was in Central, South Central Georgia when this happened. And I seen something come out of the woods that was on all fours. And it was probably 250, maybe a little bit more than that, but that was a guesstimate of mine. It walked on all fours up the side of the tracks. When I tried to get up to look at it, you know, it stopped on the top and it kind of stood up a little bit and then went back down before I could get my scope on it or anything and was gone. And... it looked like a giant chimpanzee to me, you know, at that range, but I'm not sure exactly what it was, you know? And, uh, if I had to guess, you know, I'm going to say it was, but, uh, a big, they don't have a lot of chimpanzees running around in Georgia, right? (laughs) No, but we got them in Florida. (laughs) People should look up this place. We got monkeys. We got, chimpanzees we, we we're the only state that's got stuff that's from every country in the world living in the wild here you know it's it's ridiculous but uh yeah no nah, not not in georgia and locals would kill anything you know up there that's that they wouldn't have none of that kind of stuff that's probably why there's no bears there you know they don't have panther or mount cougars you know whatever you want to call them and uh, they don't they don't really they don't really put up with stuff like that up there. So, but that was one I had. Uh, I had, I was probably fourteen. I was in Alabama with my dad, and uh, I had shot a deer on the side of the road. Is again, it was early in the morning, and my dad, you know, let me out to. Uh, go get this deer, you know, and pull it to, off the road, off the side of the road where I shot it and gut it and get it ready to throw in the truck. Apparently he forgot where I was cause he was gone for about an hour. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, uh, I was sitting there, I got this deer gutted and I had a, a 45 on my side, a 45 Ruger Blackhawk. Oh, yeah. I used to carry that thing everywhere. And, um, but I had that on my side, and I gutted this deer, and I was sitting in there, 
and I'm waiting for him to come back. There's no vehicles on, these are dirt roads, you know, no vehicles on the road. And, uh, something come in there and was messing with me for a good 30 minutes. It would, it was breaking branches and, and circling me and, you know, and being 14 years old, I was a little bit freaked out, you know, and, uh, it never came in close enough, but I, I, as soon as I heard the first branches break, I had a gun out. So, you know, if I'd have seen anything, I'd have shot it. But, uh, yeah, and it did that. And then when my, my dad pulled back up, you know, the, it just stopped. It was, you know, it's like they can, it's like they know everything we do. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy because I've been in the woods all over. I lived in Alaska, uh, California, you know, um, Texas, New Mexico. I lived in Greece, uh, been to Hungary, Yugoslavia. I've been all over in the woods. And it's very rare that anything happens with those. And you don't see anything like footprints or, or you know, signs of them. Uh, although when you're hunting, like, I, I personally live in a bubble when I hunt. And if you're not in my bubble, I don't care, you know, because I'm focused on what I'm doing. And so it would have to come into my bubble and and then I would know, but I don't hear wood knocks. I don't hear, um, you know, howls uh, howls in the night. Uh, you know, none of that. I've never really heard anything like that. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's something probably that happens very rarely because these things apparently, you know, know exactly what we're doing and they steer clear of us our trails, what we do, you know, they know, and they just don't want to be bothered. My, uh, we were hunting turtles in North Georgia. We had permits to get a special kind of turtle and they only live in the little rivers and creeks up there in the mountains in North Georgia. And, uh, and, and I can say the city that we were staying right there at talking rock, Georgia. And, uh, my son, who used to laugh at me every time I'd make jokes about Bigfoot or anything skunk apes, you know, tell me I was crazy. He was, at this time, he's probably 23, maybe. And we were, there was three of us again, him and his best friend and me. And we were spread out in these creeks looking for these turtles. And my son had to go to the bathroom and he, he climbed up the bank of the creek, which it's woods all the way right to the creek. You know, it's it's in the middle of nowhere. There's no civilization around there where we were. And the weeds were probably waist high. And there was a little circle of sand in these weeds. And he's hollering at me that there's a Bigfoot track. And I'm like, they have bears up there. And I'm like, it's a bear track. You're just looking at it wrong. Look at it. You know, he's like screaming at me, come hurry, hurry, come. And I went to, you know, got up there where he was and got out and looked at it. And it was the most perfect Bigfoot track I ever saw. Cause that's the only one I've ever saw in my life. And, uh, he took pictures of it and everything. And it was probably 15 inches long, but it, it was like fresh. It was, it had just happened, you know? And so he, they were freaked out. They, he, he wanted to go back to the truck. He didn't want no part of that no more. You know where we were. Let's move to another area because he's 
thinking, you know, he all of a sudden now he's seen something. And he's got he's got so many phones over the years and he's saved the Sims card, but he can't find the Sims card because I was telling him I was telling him the other day when I talked to you that uh, you know, see if you could find that because it he put his foot beside it, you know, and you could see how wide it was and, and it was just perfect. And there was no reason for Hey, nobody would have even been able to walk through there where we were and, and think, oh, somebody's going to find this. You know, it wasn't a hoax. It was his perfect track. And that's the only one I've ever seen in my life. So, but I'm not looking for them, you know, unless they were on a trail where the deer were. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm looking at deer tracks and hog tracks or whatever I'm hunting. I'm not, I'm focused on that. You know, I'm not looking off to the sides for Bigfoot tracks. So. You know, it is a little different. It's it's yeah. a uh, it's a different feeling when you see um, <clears throat> Bigfoot tracks, especially if they're fresh ones, and you think it's nearby. Um, it's just kind of an unsettling, unsettling well, feeling. Yeah, it's. Uh, I've never thought about it. I, uh, you know, I don't. I hunt at night by myself. I don't. I've never feared anything in the woods, and you know, it's. Not something I do to this day. I don't dwell on it or think about it. Because if they wanted us, they'd have had us a long time ago. The, you know, so it's I just don't think like that. But uh, I followed a guy that was a guide up in Canada and uh, way back when he first started. And I would watch his videos. I thought he was a really good hunter and he had some good stories. And it's howtohunt.com, I think, or I watch it on YouTube. But I got to thinking about it one day. I was like, this guy's been guiding, you know, for 25, 30 years. And it's in British Columbia and everything. He's got to have some Bigfoot stories or something, you know. Sasquatch, as they call them. And uh, one day, all of a sudden, he he just popped up with a, a Sasquatch story. And I was like, oh, no, he didn't just do that, did he? And now he's got tons of it. You know, he's getting all the people up there are sending them all their encounters so you know it's it's just something that i don't believe people talk about a lot unless you know it's one person that's had an experience to another person when you when you get local city folk here that you know they don't even it's something you know that's uh uh a legend or, you know, they don't, uh, yeah, it's it. urban legend, uh, lore, yeah, yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you get into areas and honestly, I'll, I'll just comment. We get a lot of stories, uh, encounters out of, uh, Florida, especially South Florida, but also up in North Florida. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, uh, all, you know, nationwide there's, there's the, the creatures are really all over the place. More so in some areas than others. Yeah, I, I truly believe that, you know. And um, I've now, I've, of course, I've read a lot of stuff all over the years, and and read a lot of encounters and different things. And uh, you know, places where I've been, uh, Fort Rucker, Alabama, is where I was. And there's one about a um, a fireman that that that's a helicopter training base and uh so when they're doing live fire they have firemen there that are um uh there in case they they start a fire 
with their rounds, you know. And this guy was taking a break, and he was walking down a fire break, and he had one stand up and 50 feet from him, you know, and it freaked him out, and he, uh, I don't think it screamed at him. I think it, it just looked at him, and he looked at it, and they both went separate ways. But that, you know, that's a fireman out of the same place where I was, where I had that thing circling around me. I don't know what it was, you know, but, um, it, it was weird. Well, if you're, but, um, it, let me ask you this. So the creature circle, something is circling around you and you're very familiar yeah. with all the wildlife, the hogs, mountain lions, bear. Yeah. It's, it's, it's those do that? Yeah, but when you're 14 years old, you know, you, you don't think like that, you know, you right. think. Um, but I'm it, talking something. about the behavior, the behavior of any of the oh. standard per, uh, predator animals or any of the animals well, there. Does, do uh, any of those do would, that? It, it would be trying to scare me off of it. Listen, I, I, I was hunting uh, uh, a wildlife management area down here with bows. And one of the guys I was hunting with shot a hog and the panther come in and took the hog from him, <laughs> you know? Okay. Right. So he heard, he heard him squealing when he was dying. He was right there. He just came in and drugged the damn hog off, you know? Uh, I'm, I know people out West and up in Alaska and stuff when they kill something, you know, they have to watch out because bears will come and, and steal their stuff and you're not allowed to kill them when they do that apparently they're allowed to do that <laughs> you're not allowed yeah, to shoot well, them unless they're attacked. i i my understanding will maybe you can comment on this uh it's kind of gotten the point <clears throat> in a lot of areas where actually a firearm is sort of the dinner bell for uh for better for yeah yeah. And, yeah for grizzlies for sure yeah yeah that's what now down here that don't happen you know that's very rare you you talk to people and people don't think there's bears in Florida, you know, and you'll hear people say, oh, there's no bears in Florida. There's big bears in Florida. Like I was telling Tom, uh, you know, our, we're second in, in the United States with 780 pounder killed right here, 30 miles from my house on the road, hit by a truck. So <laughs> if you don't think a 780 pound black bear is big, let me tell you. And they're, I make fun of them because the, the male bears here are really big. You know, I've seen 500 pounders numerous times, but their bodies in proportion to their arms or their, their, whatever you want to call them, their legs, uh, their legs are very big. Their front legs, especially compared to their bodies, you know, because they're always digging and, you know, rooting stuff up here. They're not, they're more omnivorous and, uh, the cats here are the ones that, you know, take your deer and your hogs. But, but the bears here, they'll eat your garbage. <laughs> you, you know, we have bears right here where I'm at in our, come into our neighborhood and get in the garbage if you put it out sometimes, you know. So, but, yeah, that, it's, it's a predatory thing of trying to scare. It'd be like a pack of wolves trying to scare a bear off a kill so they could eat it. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, that was kind of where I was going with this, was um, it's not normal. You're not going to get a, and I just wanted your thoughts on this, neither a mountain lion, nor a bear, nor a hog 
is going to do that circling. No. Uh, what, uh, that's un, unusual and uncharacteristic. Not yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's not something. Which, and snapping little twigs and, and, you know, letting you know they're there, but they're not, you know, making themselves visible or, or you know, letting you know their exact pinpointed area. You know what I mean? In other words, he knew I had a gun, which I believe truly all animals know when you got a gun. If you're close enough to them, they can smell them. So there's something with guns and animals. You go in the woods without a gun, you'll see all sorts of stuff. You put a gun on your side, you'd be like, where'd everything go? <laughs> what happened? You know, it's, uh, but these things definitely know. And, yeah. um, well, you, know, and, I don't, you, know, you, you you made a good point. It's uncharacteristic. Uh, both predator yeah. and prey are their existence, their survival is based for different reasons, is based on stealth, and this is the right. polar opposite of stealth. Yeah, it, it, I mean, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and I got a dead deer that I just gutted, so you could probably smell it a mile away if you're a you know a, a dog or a bear or panther or whatever it was but this is alabama you know we have wild dogs that we had problems with but there was no bears there was no cats you know there was none of that there and this, this is probably what 78 77 78 79 maybe so yeah it's uh now you got coyotes everywhere we didn't have coyotes in florida back then now we ate up with them you know so it's uh it's amazing what these animals have done over the years you know and you see these people with uh there's no cougars here and all of a sudden somebody catches one on a trail cam somewhere you know and oh there is one here huh you know so it's kind of weird well and i just read in the news unrelated to our current topic but apparently in uh i don't know if it's just south florida or all of florida there's now a bounty i think it's the Florida uh, fishing game or DNR or whatever it is on the uh, pythons. Oh yeah, yeah, we hunt them. I've been down there quite a few times in Glades with my son, and you know we go down there and just something to do. <laughs> you know you're doing a favor if you catch them and kill them. So, but back in the back in the seventies, we we people were, was letting them go. That's when it happened. You know they buy a Burmese python and all of a sudden it's 14 foot long and eating baby pigs and they don't want nothing to do with that you know so they were just oh i can't i lived on a out in the country here for 15 20 years on the end of a dirt road and people let more cats and dogs go you know and it's a pitiful thing because the cats survive but dogs you know you you find them emancipated and and just in such bad shape that you have to put them down, you know, and but people just let them go because they don't want to have them put to sleep or they don't want to try to give them away. And they think, Oh, it's like that movie where the dog, the cat and the raccoon or whatever it is, go across the country, you know? So, you know, same thing with animals here. People let them go or they get loose. <laughs> we have, uh, we have probably a lot of different places down here because of the weather where they have, you know, orangutans or baboons or 
you know, and they're doing whatever they're doing with them. I don't know, but they get loose. And then, they, you know, people have to hunt them down and, you know, get them back. And sometimes they don't. And uh, people, have spot, people have spotted chimpanzees in the woods. They've spotted, you know, other things. But, you know, it's a baboons <laughs> down there in the glades. Apparently, I haven't seen them. I haven't been down there in years. But uh, apparently there's some baboons down there now. But you could get bit by a, a cobra, you know, or, or a black mamba. There was a TV cable guy down there that got bit by a black mamba. Oh, my Working goodness. On that's house. the worst. Yeah. 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 You, know, you, you might run into a cobra. You might find an anaconda. It isn't just pythons. That's just the worst one because... That was one that was real cheap that people bought a lot of. You watch it 20 years from now, we'll be ate up with ball pythons because everybody has ball pythons now, but they don't grow very big and they're hard to feed. And, you know, they're not a great pet because they don't, you know, do anything. So let me back let them up go. for a second. Yeah. Let me, uh, I want to kind of go back to the chimps and the baboons for a moment. Um, is it absolutely certain that those that chimps and baboons are out there or was this just something that the news media had reported on? The news doesn't, doesn't report it. It's, it's, it's only, you'll only have to look at a, a, a local town and find a report about it. But we hear about it, you know, once in a blue moon, somebody sees their deer hunting and they have a chimpanzee run across the road in front of them, you know? And, uh, you're not going to find them, you know, and the baboons in the glades, you can forget it. It's just like the pythons. If they ever get a hold, you know, and they had a, a testing facility, what they were doing on them, I don't know. But my buddy's mother was one of the, the people that took care of them there because, you know, she had a, she would bring home baby baboons and, and these little things would run around in diapers. And let me tell you what, that was the most annoyingest things because she'd go in the back bedroom and them things just start messing with you. And these are little teeny monkeys, you know, with diapers on them, right? And they start messing with you, sticking their fingers in your ear and poking at you. And as soon as she come out, they were angels. You know, it was crazy. But she had a facility well, there. I've I, I seen male baboons are the ugliest things you ever could see face-to-face. And they had some big ones in those cages out there where she worked. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't, if I saw something like that in the woods, I'm killing it. But, you know, it's that thing where people, you know, they look at a, a, a big humanoid thing that's full of hair and they don't know if it's part human or not. You know, I can see their point of not killing it. But you see something ugly like that, a baboon, let me tell you, <laughs> a hunter would, you know, fix that problem. But you don't see them. They steer clear of you. It's like these pythons, you know, these guys hunt them every night. They're, they're out there. We go, when we go down there, we'll run into 20 guys, big racks of lights on their trucks. They can see 75 yards in every direction with these big light bars they got on their trucks, you know, and they, they got five people looking for snakes and they might catch one, maybe two, you know, so, and, and. What do you think about uh, going back to the chimps and the baboons? So those are primates, um, and right. people report seeing those. <clears throat> I, I'm really curious if there's a chance of misidentification, and if, especially no, if there's orangutans. The 
Okay. Well, even in, even in orangutan, I don't know. If we got this place called Monkey Jungle down here, and if you ever visit that place, you'll know why these things are nasty. <laughs> but they ain't that big. Orangutans are, you know, the same size as a woman. You know, five foot tall. You're lucky. They're wide and they're they got long arms. Chimps are even smaller. You know, gorillas. What are they? Five foot five, maybe five foot something like that. It's not the same. These these things that people are seeing are huge. You know, they're seven foot tall, eight foot tall, and and I'm going to be the first to tell you that I've heard more stories of 14 foot alligators, and I get there and it's nine foot. You know what I mean? And here's a sure. here's a here's an exact example. My buddy and me was hunting probably three years ago, and he's got an AR on him, right? And I'm in front of him. I I might have had my 30 30. I don't remember what gun I had. And we had a bear, a mama bear, stand up in front of me about 30 foot and she had two cubs underneath her and my buddies you know 20 feet behind me and i just throw my hands up to her you know and i was like hey bear get out of here right and she seen me and she was standing up instantly once she seen i was i was a person she was gone no problem i didn't want to have to shoot her but that's what would have happened if she'd have charged but she's 30 foot from me with two cubs underneath her and she was gone so I turn around to my buddy, he's not a woodsman, and and he's telling me, he's like, oh my God, did you see that thing was seven foot tall? And it probably, it probably weighed 400 pounds. My buddy weighs 360 pounds and he's six foot two, right? I said, boy, you outweighed her by probably 110 pounds and she's about five foot tall if you're lucky, you know, but he seen a seven foot tall bear that weighed four or 500 pounds, you know, but he's not used to the woods. So you, you get what I'm saying? It's people misidentify things, sizes and, and, you know, weights real easily. Sure. Sure. But you get, you get a guy that hunts religiously all his life. He's going to be able to be really close to what the heights weights and everything you know he'll be able to tell you what a deer weighs and how many how old he is you know and different it's the same it's, it's very different for people that are in the woods all the time versus people that don't go in the woods you know hiking up a trail but you're saying that the experienced woodsman out there would know the difference between a seven foot uh bipedal hominid as opposed yes. to a uh, yes. chimp or, or orangutan yes. or something like that Yes, there. There's only one picture I ever seen out of Florida, and it was right up here by us. Uh, probably it's probably an hour north of me, and the lady sent a. The, she had something stealing oranges. She would buy oranges to send up north to her, to her relatives and stuff, you know. And she would stack them on her back porch. And something was coming in and taking her oranges. So she goes out with one of those cameras, disposable cameras w with a flash on it and holds it up over the palmettos and takes a picture. And that's the one that everyone goes, oh, it's an orangutan. Oh, you know, if you look at an orangutan, that's not an orangutan. Now, if I, if I was going to say exactly what a skunk ape looks like up close and personal, that would have been it. 
And she sent that to the police up there and said, listen, you guys got a orangutan loose and, uh, you know, please do something about it. Well, it's not an orangutan because a it's squatted down and it's bigger than an orangutan and you can see its legs and its arms and everything. But, you know, she just happened to stick that camera up over to, to Palm Meadows and flick those pictures. Wonder what she thought when she got those developed. You know, you know, I saw that you picture. Can see it have you seen it? I I have definitely seen it. I thought it was interesting. And I don't recall, I don't know, um, are you aware if uh, any biologist or primatologist or anybody has analyzed the picture? And, and uh, Yeah, please? well, they have, and, and there was a, I don't know her name, it's been a while since I've read all this, but uh, there was a lady, the biologist, that said, it doesn't look like an orangutan, you know, and then you had a cryptozoal, what's his name? Oh, gosh. Uh, I can't remember his name now. He's famous. I don't remember. Is it Lauren Coleman? Maybe. Who apparently found the, this lady's anonymous. She sent that to the police. Not Somebody found out right, more right. information. But, you know, the lady told them what it was doing, coming and stealing the oranges and you know, and she did that with the camera and it didn't come no more. And I don't, I don't know all the stories that go along with that one, but if you look at that picture and you analyze that picture and, and look at it up close, you'll see a leg and arms and it's big, you know, it's, it's good seven foot tall probably if it was standing up because you look at those palmettos are really thick, which means they're older and tall, probably five foot tall, you know? And uh, this thing is crouched down behind them, and you can see how thick they are. And if you see them every day like I do, you know, and you know what they are, it's a, it's a big animal. Well, you know, and and got, I've often wondered, they've got to have tough hides. Those palmettos are, I mean, they put rose bushes to shame. Well, right? it's not that. It's, yeah, well, no, they're just thick. But, um. It's not that, it's the bugs. You know, if they got all the hair here, it's to keep them cool and to keep the bugs off them. Because you, you know, a human in, in the Everglades, that mosquitoes don't like me, I don't know why. But they will eat you alive. <laughs> you know, you, it's it, the mosquitoes and the horse flies and everything else that goes along with it. It's the bugs. If they got thick coats, that's why, the bugs. Keep the mosquitoes the mosquitoes off of them, you know, but that's a good I imagine Yeah. Yeah. And the hair, you know, it's like right now we are talking about how hot it is here, you know, and it's hot, but hair acts like a radiator, you know, and if you got it all over your body, well, maybe that helps them cool off. If not, they plenty of water here and everything, you know, you, you can stay cool if you want to. But I, I would assume that, you know, they're they're thick-skinned and, yes. And that picture of that skunk ape, if you look at the teeth, it's got canines, you know, well-developed yes, fangs, but there is noticeable canines, you know. And you look at orangutans and everything, a gorilla will have that, but but you don't see that so much with orangutans. And... uh yeah, that's that's the only picture I've ever seen that I really truly have no doubt that some lady caught one 
you know, and I've heard, I've heard people up there that live way out in the middle of nowhere. You know, we have, we have subdivisions. They'll just pop up in the middle of the woods, you know, and they don't go out at night because there's something that comes up and down their streets, making noise and getting in the garbages. And the first thing you think of is bears, but they're saying it's not bears, you know? And, uh, there, there's all sorts of little chatter about things. It's just, people don't report it to the news and the news really don't care unless, you know, it's something that they could really hype up, you know, if, uh, agreed. if they, if they, you know, could, there were some guys in my that stopped on the side of the road and you can look it up and you'll see like 20 people taking pictures and there's something out in the middle of that prairie that doesn't belong, you know? And, but you never heard about it. I, I, got it on youtube and watched it you know but you got 20 people stopped on the side of a road taking pictures and these things are you know 300 yards out in the middle of a of a sawgrass prairie you know and they're tall and black you can't really tell in the video because you know nobody has uh, uh professional equipment with them you know and so that's probably part of it you try ever try to take a picture of an animal that just talking about that bear, my buddy has, has his iPhone in his backpack, you know? And I was like, where's your camera? Bob, where's your phone? He's like, it's in my backpack. I was like, you could have took a picture, <laughs> you know, but it happens all so fast. And, you know, unless you're, you got a camera in your hand and that's what you're doing. You know, I see why people don't, don't get pictures. <laughs> oh, that's they exactly do, they're right. Blurry. Because it's yeah. all fast and they're moving, you know. I ain't never seen nothing blurry through none of my rifle scopes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But if I, because I'm settled in and looking. But if I was to try to catch the same thing with a camera, hey, you're not going to be able to see it probably. And B, it'd probably be blurry because I'd probably be moving trying to catch it, you know. So unless oh, you yeah, were set absolutely. up with a tripod and, and um, you know, I... I always make that joke about everything's blurry, but that's why you're not, it's too hard unless you're an animal photographer and you're set up in, you know, over bait or, or you know where they're coming and you sit there and wait days. Those guys sometimes spend weeks in the same place to get one picture, you know? And well, you've talked about this. Do that. Will's, Will's had an experience like this where will you, and we talked about it on the last episode, I think where, you and somebody else were out, and you were discussing it all day about having your camera ready. And a, and a bear ran out for oh, about 100 yards. It, it ran right out in front of the truck, and we chased it for about 100 yards. And neither one of us, you know, we both had camcorders in our hands. I never thought about taking a picture, right? Not once. Because you're in the moment. It's like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing something. And, and you don't, your mind only can focus on one thing at a time. It's not like you're, you know, you're chasing a bear. Uh, I've run them up trees out here at my property. I would just chase them until they ran up a tree and then I'd laugh. Well, I had my phone in my pocket, but I never took a picture <laughs> because I see bears all the time, you know? So it's, uh, panthers, you know, if you see panthers in Florida, you're a lucky person, Supposedly, you know, we supposedly only have 50 pairs of them in the whole state. And 
I've seen them things 30, 40 times, <laughs> you know, up close and personal. I almost stepped on one one day. It walked out. I was creeping up a trail, and it stepped right out. I could have kicked it. And when I tell you that thing leaped 25 foot in one bound, that's probably underestimating how. And it was gone that fast. I saw it hit the ground. It looked at me. I had a gun in my hand. I wouldn't have shot it, but, you know. And, and boom, it was gone that quick, you know. And uh, you just don't – there's no time. And especially – if you saw something that's seven or eight foot tall and weighs, you know, six, seven hundred pounds, got shoulders four foot wide and a pumpkin head full of hair, no, you're not going to be thinking about taking a picture. Most people will be thinking about which way are they going to run <laughs> because I don't want to run you over if you're beside me. So which way are you going, you know? And, uh, you know, that's a real yeah. good point. And you, you, you did, you made an excellent point about being in the moment. And that moment is a lot more intense when you have one of those creatures in front of you than just a bear or even a mountain lion. Oh, yeah, no. It's uh, anything that can kill you. A, a dog, you know, somebody with a big dog and that thing's, you know, showing its teeth and coming at you. What are you going to do? Most people are going to run, <laughs> you know, and that's the first thing you don't want to do. But. That's that's your instinct. Let me get away from this thing, you know, and you see something out of the ordinary in the woods like that. And at, at night, it's different because you're stuck wherever you're at, you know, and you, you know, you're in a campground or something and there's something outside your tent. What do they do? They stay huddled in the tent. You know, it's not they don't uh, get out and go, hey, what are you doing? You know, because they're they're scared. Yeah, exactly. So your, your self-preservation is, is yeah number one priority. Yeah. Right. Um, so you've you've uh, you had this encounter down in in Florida, and you had one in Georgia, um, and I can't remember, but we had briefly spoken, and you had said that you were up in Alaska. I don't know if you said you had encountered yeah, one. Yeah, no, I I. I uh, there was a time when the the military digs foxholes and, and I was young, but I stayed in the woods. Like my parents gave up when I was about eight, <laughs> I would stay in the woods for a day and a half, two days sometimes because it stays light in the summertime, full bore. you don't know what time it is. And so, you know, we, we didn't think nothing of being in the woods and, and, you got bears and wolves and you see them, you know, and they don't bother you. They steer clear of you and everything, but we was in a foxhole and, uh, something come up, the, the military built these foxholes and we were playing in them with BB guns <laughs> and there was two boys with me. We were all probably eight years old and, uh, something stuck its arm in front of us in, in the turret of the foxhole where we could see, and it wasn't a bear hand, but it was full of hair, you know, and we freaked out and I don't remember exactly what we did, but we got out of the foxhole. But by the time we was out of there, it was gone, you know, and, uh, but now was this in the you, daytime or this nighttime? Oh yeah. No, it was, it was in the summertime. I, I can't tell you if it was day or night because it never gets dark there. So I don't remember, you know, it, when I say it never gets dark, it never gets dark. 
So you can play right. in the woods or outside. Your parents are sleeping. They put tinfoil on the windows, you know, so that they can sleep. And, you know, kids, just, we just, this is 1975, you know, 74 said we just run amok. But, um, yeah, that's, that was the only thing. And I mean, I, I had a bear, I was fishing in the river with my dad and I had a big brown bear walk right down beside me. I I probably didn't even come to the top of his, his below his shoulder is how big this thing was. They had the evilest eyes to look into you ever want to look at it, They're just evil looking, you know, they have those red eyes. It's like, uh, but this thing walked right down beside me and started doing his thing in the river. And I was 15, 20 foot from me. And I'm like, my dad's, you know, 20 yards from me fishing and I'm freaking out. And he's just holding his hand up like, don't worry, don't worry, you know? And yeah, it never bothered me. It's amazing. Those, you know, you got all those people up there and how many times do you hear somebody getting killed by a brown bear up there? You know, they just don't bother people. We're not tasty to them. So you know, it's a uh, certain animals just don't bother us, but, and these things apparently don't either, or we would be on the hit list. You know, if they're that, if they're that big, that strong, you know, there's no way a human without a gun would stand a chance, you know, and you heard stories of back in the pioneer days when people go and hunt them down and they got 18 men and this thing waylays them. That's a, that's out of, I think, Georgia or North Florida, where it was doing something, and they put a hunting party together, and it ended up tearing up half the guys. It's a story. I don't know if it's true or not or where it came from, you know, but I read it. And only, like, two of the guys out of the 18 made it back, and they said that it was dead when they left, but they weren't sure, and it had killed all of them when they were shooting at it. And then, mind you, they got black powder rifles back then that, you know, weren't, comparable comparable to what we have now but you know still very effective uh, well dave listen yeah. we're i think we're running a little short on time and i really appreciate this uh, a great great encounter great story really love the one about going down there and gator hunting and encountered this thing um so we're uh we're about to wrap it up but do you have any other questions for us before we go no problem no i'm i'm good with everything i was just uh glad to talk to y'all dave we haven't talked to you soon enough but uh definitely appreciate you doing this yeah no problem y'all holler at me anytime we'll do absolutely all right before i hear of anything i'll let you know all right, we, we appreciate that, Dev. And, uh, before, yeah, no problem. Before we move on to the next segment, I, I do want to mention that the next segment is with Pam Pierce. We interviewed her before, folks, so this is a different interview. It's not the same one. Just wanted to mention that before we get into that. So, everyone, stay tuned for that after the break. In Bigfoot History. Bluff Creek Road, October 12, 1958, Northern California. Several miles south of where the tracks were usually seen, Ray Kerr and Leslie Brazil in a pickup truck at night claimed to have seen a huge, dark, hairy, man-like figure take the road in two strides. Footprints were found at the place they indicated. This was the first publicity reported sighting of Bigfoot at Bluff Creek. 
but I was told that Lawrence Omeg of from Oric had actually seen him earlier outside a shack by the road where he bunked at night. He had left the job without, at the time, saying why. Preliminary description of the external morphology of what appeared to be the fresh corpse of a hitherto unknown form of living hominid. This paper describes, in somewhat general terms, the results of a preliminary inspection of the corpse of what appeared to be some form of large primate of hominid form. The notion that it is a composite manufactured from parts of human corpses and or other animals must, of course, still be considered, since the body has not yet actually been examined. Should it be, the artist who put it together, inserting several million hairs in a skin before it rotted or was preserved, would have to have had some concept to work from, and there is no such extent. This for the following reason. This body is not that of any hominid or pongid, and what is much more significant, it does not conform to any reconstruction or artist's conception of any fossil man or ape or other anthropoid. Its general features and particular characters, as detailed above, display an extraordinary mixture of what have until now been assigned either to men or apes, but it also shows others that have never been assigned or attributed to any of either. However, two separate companies specializing in model making for waxwork museums, exhibits, and film companies in Hollywood, California, have been traced and individual model makers working for both have stated that they made copies with wax or latex and using hair from bears. Mr. Hansen, the caretaker, informed us in January of this year that such a model had been made in April of 1967 because the owner of the original was worried about its safety. An object such as this could possibly be constructed, starting with the skin of a large male pale-skinned chimpanzee using a human skull glove makers, wood racks for the hands, and so forth. The original could have been of this nature, and then a copy or copies made from it. Just in case this might not be the origin of the specimen, we should consider the alternative. Namely, that it is a genuine corpse of a comparatively recently killed specimen, not fossilized in any way, of some form of parahominid. This is the considered opinion of Huvelman's and is based on as thorough an examination as he was able to make, considering that the specimen is encased in ice that is more than half opaque and sunk about two feet below the glass cover of its container. And, if this is the correct interpretation, we would opine that it would more probably be on the hominid rather than the pongid stem of anthropoid evolution. Just where it should be placed on that stem cannot, of course, be said, until it has been properly examined out of its ice envelopment. Further, and much more important, will be any analysis of its blood, plasma, and other body fluids, if they are still sufficiently preserved for typing. Even then, we may well be confounded because this specimen displays such a combination of characters attributed to the two presently thought quite widely separated families of anthropoid primates. And this constrains us to add a note of added caution. In view of the fact that pongids and hominids have now been shown to fall into several groups, 
Together, Vidi, the Caucasoid and Congoid hominids, with the gorillas and chimpanzees on the one hand, and the Mias, Siamangs, and Gibbons among the Pongids with the Mongoloid hominids on the other, is it not possible that not only the hominids, but the Pongids have a grid-like genetic origin? If this be the case, could the concept not be further extended to include all the anthropoids, so that there may have been, and in this case may still be, truly man-like apes and ape-like men? This specimen is by several criteria a hominid, noticeably by its feet, but it has many pongid characters. Are the diagnostic features we are currently employing to separate the apes from men valid? If not, are both our families invalid, and could both groups form but one complex? If so, we will have to add the hairy man to Desmond Morris's naked ape. Anything of this nature will absolutely demand an overall revision of our ideas of both physical and social anthropology, and will present a somewhat alarming problem to scientists and religionists alike. This author's personal opinion as to the precise identity of this specimen is, at the moment, not formulated. As a trained zoologist and one who spent many years collecting mammalian and particularly primate specimens for examination, dissection, and preservation in the field and while fresh, we would not presume to make any definite pronouncement upon anything other than a purely generalized overall description of its external appearance. The corpus must be freed from its ice encasement and properly examined first. However, some speculation as to the taxonomic status of this creature if it finally proves to be real, is perhaps permissible, since we do have detailed measurements and photographs to back it up. It is Huvelman's opinion, which he states categorically in his paper, that this body represents the fresh remains of a Neanderthaloid human. Such hominids are currently classed as a subspecies of Homo sapiens, yet Huvelman's has named this item Homo pongoids, and thus of full specific rank. Though we suggested that appellation, pongoids, in the first place, we envisaged it either as a subspecific to Homo sapiens, since we have no idea as to the external morphology of the fossil Neanderthaloids, or merely as a possible specific for some other genus of anthropoid. However, this suggestion was purely tentative in that, despite the existence of this specimen, we have no more idea of its anatomy, histology, or physiology than we do of the external morphology of the Neanderthalers. I am therefore officially disassociating my name from that given in Huvelman's paper. We are constrained to do this not only because we are personally averse to naming any specimen before it has been physically obtained and properly examined, but also more precisely because we are not convinced that this specimen is Neanderthaloid or even a member of the genus Homo as presently constituted. Further still, it might not even be an anthropoid, but rather a survivor of a line divergent from, and possibly lying between, the hominid and the pongid branches, but derived from a common ancestor to all three. In the absence of the corpus itself, as of the time of writing, and in view of our total lack of knowledge of the external morphology of any anthropoids other than the living hominids and pongids, we consider it to be most incautious to attempt to identify this specimen as of now, and more especially, to confine it within a subspecific title. 
and anent this, one essential feature of this specimen seems to have been overlooked. What can be seen of the conformation of the face, meaning the front of the head, in no way conforms to any known fossil hominid, apart from the juvenile Australopithecoids, and particularly to that of any Neanderthaler of comparable size. There is no prognothicism, virtually no brow ridges. The forehead does not slope acutely. The two teeth that can be seen are infantile. In fact, from what can be assessed of the anatomical structure of the fore part of the skull, this creature is almost as far removed from the standard Neanderthaloid construction as is possible. In these same respects, it shows no more affinity with Homo erectus, Homo habilis, what is known of same, or more especially, such lower types as were once called pithecanthropines, australopithecines, or such like. In fact, if it does prove to be a hominid, by whatever criteria may be decided upon to define that family when and if it is examined, it might well be called Homo pongoids, but it most certainly should not be assigned to the Neanderthal race or complex. Our final conclusion, therefore, is that the specimen we inspected was that of a genuine corpse as opposed to a composite or a construction, and that it is some form of primate. We would categorize it, as of now, as an anthropoid, but whether it is a hominid, a pongid, or a representative of some other previously unsuspected branch of that superfamily, we are not prepared either to say or even to speculate. There are certain firm indications that the specimen examined by Huvelmans and this writer, though it has been removed from the place where we saw it, and hidden while a substitute model has been installed, has not been destroyed and may therefore eventually become available for proper scientific examination. Until such time as this is achieved, we advise that it serve only as a pointer to the possible continued existence of at least one kind of fully-haired, ultra-primitive, anthropoid-like primate, and be used only as a lever to pry open the hitherto hidebound notion that any such thing is impossible. Thanks for listening to this episode of Creek Devil. If you or anyone you know has had an encounter with these creatures, please contact us at williamjevning at yahoo.com. That's William, J-E-V-N-I-N-G, at yahoo.com. All communication is confidential. Join us for another program next week. And until then, keep your eyes open now.